Isn't it great that Jordan and Katie came to Morgantown just a few short years ago and the team that came with them and they left their home states and they left their places and they moved to West Virginia and have fallen in love with you people. And I, I come from the state of Wisconsin. I've been here the last couple of years and I went to college back in 1959 and beyond, so that makes me really, really old. And I did Chi Alpha work like the people you've got to know here in Wisconsin a long, long time ago. And then I moved in 1980 to Munich, West Germany with my wife and two children. And if you have a prayer card from last year, my family's on the back, and I have the same prayer card this year. And I have two sons and two daughters, and three of them live in Turkey and Germany, and my youngest son lives in Washington, D.C. with his wife. And they were in the back seat of that car that uh, was uh, swamped by the rock slide in Yosemite Park two days ago. And the rocks came in, the sunroof fractured the skull of uh, the, the brother-in-law of my father-in-law. And, and their the sisters are the married to these two guys. So my, my daughter-in-law, who lives in D.C. and works for Missile Defense, uh, almost lost her parents the other day. And then I open up the news today, and I can't believe what I'm seeing, and yet I can't. And so over 550 or so are wounded, shot, and 58, 59 people have died so far. And the brothers interviewed of the, the man who did this, a 64-year-old resident of Las Vegas, a multimillionaire. Is I have no idea that he even owned a gun, let alone the 17 weapons that were found in that room on the 32nd floor. So uh, my daughter-in-law almost lost her parents two days ago. Only, only They tried to outrun the rock slide in Yosemite Park, and they couldn't beat it. And uh, the car filled with rocks, filled. And of course, destroyed, they all should have died. But, but today, a lot of people died. And so that's the kind of life we live. It's really uncertain, more than you would like to think about. And I, I've lived in uh, Belgium for 25 years and Germany for 11. So I've lived uh, overseas the bulk of my life, and my kids have lived their whole life overseas, so they live overseas because that's where they're at home. And they all came to different universities in the United States and graduated. You know who their friends were? The international students. That's who they felt comfortable with. Uh, they, they didn't lose their faith or find their faith at the university. They joined campus groups, Christian groups like this, and, and maybe God will send you, like he sent the team that's come here, to some campus somewhere in the United States or Alaska or maybe Hawaii or somewhere else in the world. And um, I, have, uh, I have been privileged to help start the student work like this in the continent of Europe. I visited all 36 countries of Europe, and um, I, I could take everybody. I could place you all. Would you like a country? 
not just a campus, not just a city. How about a country? But it's a world that has a right to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, uh, like many, many people uh, that have already gone before you, you came here with an idea, but you may not have to the campus in terms of a goal, uh, a career idea, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, maybe you also encountered God here, and he has just turned your world upside down. And a lot of parents will say, what happened to you? And what's going on? And uh, what? You want to do what? I want to be able to brag about you to my people at the workplace and, and my family and so on. And you're going to go do what? And so, you know, I don't know what God will say to you. But I can tell you that God, if, if you belong to God and he's God, then you listen to him. Because definition of God, you serve definition of God, uh, you are, are looking for some help, uh, you're looking for something, someone to worship, and you can't do better than the God who created this universe. And then he said, which is amazing to all of the religions in the world, he said in the very beginning of the holy book, his written revelation, let's create man in our own image. I don't even, I can't even get my mind around that. But I can tell you one thing, every single different, every person is different in this place. And if you look under a micron, uh, a mic, uh, 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 electronic microscope, don't worry, I'm a little tired, but uh, I'll make it. And I'll be through at 9 o'clock. And that's about 32 minutes or so away. You look under an electron microscope of a snowflake. I was looking at a, a website of a Russian photographer the beauty and the creativity of every single snowflake is just beyond description. And I could have looked, I looked and looked, and it, it had pictures on the Internet, one after another, of the difference of every single snowflake. The geometric patterns was incredible. Uh, I kept thinking, how come that snowflake didn't melt? But I, 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 didn't, I didn't get that figured out. Or a grain of sand, or you. Everyone is different. What a God. If all 7.3 billion people prayed at this moment, he could hear you as if you were the only one. And he knows you by name. And he's waiting for you to talk to him. And he wants to have a relationship as deep and as rich and as intimate as you wish. And it's really, and then amazingly, he gives us a free will. He says, you decide. You decide how serious you want to take this. You decide if you want to believe or not. And all of us have unanswered questions. That's just part of life. No doubt about that. Like today. And tomorrow. And the next day. So uh, there's a guy named Saul who encountered uh, God on the road to Damascus in Syria. This Christianity is about history and time and place. It's not something made up. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a myth. And, and Saul uh, was incredibly changed by meeting God, who said, why are you persecuting me? Why, why are you doing what you're doing? And then the people are... Can you imagine the courage of whoever God sent to uh, 
to help Saul, who was blind for a few days, would, would you go see a guy that witnessed the martyrdom of Stephen and, 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 and was a murderer and a person that was running down and trying to find Christians and kill them? That really took obedience and courage to do something like that. Well, anyway, he's right, he writes uh, many of the books in the New Testament that are called Letters to Different Places in uh, the Ancient World. And I'm going to read a little bit, and then we'll have uh, this slide program. It says, we always thank God. This is Colossians chapter 1. Thanks for letting me borrow your Bible. My iPad has run out of battery as I was FaceTiming with my wife, so I, I couldn't use it for the Bible that's on it. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of the love that you have, etc. And then I go on to verse uh, 9. And so from this day we heard about you people. He's writing, this is a letter. We have not ceased to pray for you. That mean, And in other parts of the New Testament, Paul writes to the church in, in Thessal Thessalonica in present-day Greece and says, I, I pray without stopping. So he says, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And I think that would be really wise to have a, an understanding and be filled with wisdom of God's will for your life. So you can, and this is my point for the whole evening, right here. Verse 10, so, at, so that you can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And so the goal in my life is to walk humbly and worthy before God. Now, I'm a decade past retirement age. So I'm fairly old, and, and it, would, it would appear that in a natural course of events, I don't have much longer to live on this earth. And theoretically, you have a long time, but uh, we really don't know that for sure. And so I'm going to probably be in heaven and face God sooner than you, and I'm going to know what it's all about and I won't be able to come back and tell you. But I know that I'm going to stand before him, and he's going to ask about what I did with my life and, and the giftings that he gave me, including being able to just stand here. Because when I was 11 years of age, there was a disease in this world called polio, or infantile paralysis, and I had it. And I was paralyzed. And I could, uh, I, and I got the last bed in an isolation ward in the state of Wisconsin as this disease swept the earth every year. It just moved around the earth. And I have no idea how many tens of thousands died every year. And thank God that Joe, uh, Salk and Sabin invented an oral vaccine and a vaccine uh, uh, immunization that you have taken that you will never have to have polio. I obviously didn't need the shots because, or the medicine because I had polio. I could crane my neck, I had paralyzed, out and look out the window. I can, I can just feel it now. It's trying to strain and look out through a screened window down to a courtyard. And down there was some devices that you've never heard of 
called iron lungs. And there are long stainless steel uh, chambers that they could fill with air. It was like an air chamber. Because if you had bulbar, bulbar polio, that means you're paralyzed and you, you didn't have even the ability to breathe. And so your head stuck out of this chamber. And the rest of your body was in what was called an iron lung. You can Google it and see pictures or read about it after the meeting, please. Stainless steel cylinders on wheels. And, and I would count, I would look at how many they were steam cleaning out in the courtyard of the hospital to see how many people had died just from that disease every night, including classmates. This is during Labor Day of 1952, a long, long time ago. It's like yesterday to me. You'll talk that way someday, too. And my church, instead of going on a Labor Day weekend, which you as Americans would understand, uh, and in Wisconsin, where I'm from, they went to lakes, to, bo to lakes, to the with their boats, to the cottages, to camping, to whatever. Had a long weekend, first Monday of every uh, of the month of September. But they instead canceled their plans, and they came to our church, and they gathered in the church and prayed for Johnny. All day, and all night that I'd live. And God not only allowed me to live, and other people died, but he restored my health. I have a smaller leg in terms of the circumference and my muscle size of my, of my left and my right, but I love to backpack, and I love to, I love to climb and walk. And so I'm okay. I have a little trouble keeping my balance on my left leg, and I had a little trouble skiing, but I'm alive and I can walk. And you probably never have yet thanked God that you can walk. I want to live a life worthy of the Lord. What does it say next? Pleasing him in all ways, or fully pleasing him. Think about your life today. Do an inventory and review of your life, like you ought to do every night, maybe before you go to bed. And then maybe, like some of my friends, the last thing you'll do in the night is to uh, read from an app called Daily Prayer from the Anglican Church of England, where you can pray and read scripture morning, evening, and night. And that app's on my phone, and, I, and it's there if I want to read it. It's there if I want to engage God. It's there if I want to pray. It's up to me how much I want to decide every day if I want to please God, who I'll soon see. And I don't want to dread or fear that because of what Jesus has done for me, his gift of salvation. And that's why we're gathered here. And so maybe tonight is your night when you say, it's, it's time for me. It's time for me to make that decision. And as an old man, I can tell you, I have not ever regretted making that decision. Well, then that changed what I did with my life. But, and that was a struggle, to learn to trust God. And clearly, that's where some of you are tonight. Can I trust God? Well, I think it's better than trying to trust yourself. And you hope your friends will stick with you 
But I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and said, I found God when I realized that all my friends walked on me. Now let me expand this a little bit more, and we'll look at the slideshow. I have 21 minutes left. <laughs> Bearing fruit in every good work. Aha. You know what that means? Bearing fruit in every good work. To me, that means, and let's, let's read the rest of that sentence, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, not mine, for all endurance and patience with joy. So there's some factors in there called endurance and patience that uh, we need to think about in terms of a, a life with him. And then we give thanks to the Father. So I see all kinds of activities in here that we can do. Who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints that are in the light. Now, if we turned off every single light in this room, and you could not, but only sense, but you could not see your hand in front of your nose, that's darkness. And, and, the, and the Word of God says, those people that don't know God, even though they may look pretty cool, pretty successful, and have gifts that have come from God, but they have no interest and no desire to know God. And the way that they're going the Bible says, will be death. Final verse of this, this chapter, this, uh, this paragraph, he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and he's transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Redemption. He's bought us. He paid a debt that we couldn't pay. And he's forgiven our sins. And there was no other way except the way of the cross and what Christ did for us. I have a grand piano at our house that we bought in Prague, Czechoslovakia. It's a couple meter grand. So it'd be a six foot long grand piano that everybody in the family can play but me. And, and, uh, and when I'm home alone and my kids all live around the world other than Chris and Stephanie in D.C. I, 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 uh, I, I did some piano lessons, but I, I got stubborn and angry and stupid and quit, <laughs> along with violin. But at least, but at least I, can, I, I can read the notes. I can't play with my hands. I, I sure wish I could because I'd like to express myself that way, like my family can. And so I, I, can, I can read, I can hit a note at a time, and I hit the right note. Or maybe two, most of the time. Two fingers. You know what I'm talking about. And I s play an old song that says, Just as I am, without one plea, O Lamb of God, I come to thee. And I play all four verses. And by the fourth verse, the tears are running down my face. I do this alone. I sing along, but I'm not a good singer. And I'm certainly not a piano player. But I just want to be with God. And my prayer is that you'll have the same desire. Let's look at the slideshow. And I'll keep an eye on the watch. 
Next slide, please, Heather. Um, there's no slides before that. Oh, there is. Okay. Oh, very good. Thank you. Okay. Um, this continues on in the same letter, and I just want I just want to just give Christ the honor that's due Him before I go along and tell stories and show some pictures. So let me read this, and we'll move right on. It says uh, further on in the same letter in the New Testament, and I hope that you all have a Bible, and I hope that you look at it. If not, get daily prayer. It's a, a blue round logo. You'll f you can find it later. Staff can help you. I showed it to them today. And get it on your phone, and then it's up to you to, to hit that app. So he, Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, and for, for by him all things were created. It wasn't the Big Bang. What a brilliant scientific explanation. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. That's, that's a declaration from the Apostle Paul that the Holy Spirit helped him say, and I believe it. You can choose to believe it or not believe it, but I can tell you the moment will come someday when you'll know. And I hope you're standing with me. And I want to be standing next to God. Because Christ makes that possible. I'm serious about that. I can't think of a, a more important decision that you're going to make in your life. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he's the head of the body of the church. Next slide, Heather. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. This is the supremacy of Jesus Christ. You can read something similar in Philippians chapter 2, John chapter 1, and I think Hebrews chapter 10. And that's the kind of things you share with your people that uh, are inquiring about God. So you just read this. And as they read, you pray. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile you and me to him. To reconcile to himself all things, all people, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace. Because he went and did something we couldn't do. And something he didn't want to do. And in the Garden of Gethsemane is a defining moment when he said, Father, I don't want to take of this cup of the sin of the world. I do not want to take this into my perfect holy body. But I will do your will. I will not do mine. And at that moment, your salvation was secured. Next picture. It's uh, once you were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. That's all of us. He is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him because of him, not because of me. God accepts me because of Christ's sacrifice, and it's his righteousness, not mine. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast. So as you get to my age, you're going to want to be continue to be running a race. And I've watched my friends fall by the wayside. And God has helped me to be happily married 46 years to my wife. 
who I'm separated from six months a year since 1983 as I travel the world. Stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. You see, the Bible also talks about the fact that we have a blessed hope. And my salvation and yours did. My eternal life began the moment I said yes to Jesus. It began. And as C.S. Lewis says, death is simply a gateway to life. Next picture. Next slide. That's a bunch of us uh, in Europe where I've spent a lot of my life. Those are all flags represent, representing different countries. Next picture. Um, can we knock down some of these lights? Uh, is, that coming, is that coming pretty good for you? It's pretty washed out up here for me. You okay? Oh, you're all happy? Well, I'm happy. Okay. <laughs> all right. So here we are. Uh, all these people have doctor's degrees. That's some of my German people. This is my first small group. Okay, we're talking small groups. Man, that was fun to meet with these guys. We had such a wonderful time. There's, uh, there's Dr. Michael and Dr. Karsten, and there's attorney. Uh, oh, his name just lost my mind. And I'm sitting there in this shirt. <laughs> and, there, and there's Karsten. Karsten's a medical doctor. I didn't know it was so funny. Carson's a medical doctor. I remember him in med school. He'd set up his own Christian book table in the medical school faculty, which is the faculty's a name for department in the rest of the world. The department. Uh, he was always bringing visitors to Chi Alpha. Uh, he was just a outgoing, just a people guy. And now he has a beat up old French car. He lives in an apartment. He's a doctor. He doesn't have a new car. He doesn't have a 5,000-square-foot house with a boat and a cottage and, and whatever. He lives in an apartment, in a beat-up car, and helps out heroin addicts. On Saturdays, and, and other patients, of course, and a lot of patient, uh, doctors won't touch these people. And on Saturdays, he goes to his practice. He cooks breakfast, and they have a prayer meeting. Is that how your doctor is? He goes on Saturdays to the practice and prepares a breakfast for his patients, come one, come all, and they have a prayer meeting. And I'm there having a reunion. I haven't seen some of these people in 35 years. And there's other doctors there. In fact, a quarter of the people at this reunion were medical doctors. And and all and and uh, Ruth Schneider overheard Karsten talking about and says Karsten I do the same thing, and so there's other doctors from Chi Alpha, which we call Students for Christ in Germany, Students for Christ uh, Europe, sfceurope.org. You can look at our website sfceurope.org, and uh, I, I yeah I've talked about. Um, Other people that are eye surgeons that serve in the desert, that bathe in the dry season of the Sahara Desert, serving the nomadic Arabs in a half a pint of water. That's impossible. 
that's impossible. And they see up to 125 patients a day, a day as eye, that's not all surgery, but eye examinations, but the surgeons. And they're just out there saying, I give my life to God, joyfully. And so we have graduates all over the world, like you're going to go, joyfully serving God. Because you see, this life is short. And eternity is long. So just kind of think about that in terms of your investments and how you spend and use your time. Just think about that. And I'm not going to tell you, obviously, what to do. I'm not God. But just be willing to trust and listen to God and say, God, what, what would you have me? What would you have me do? Amazing. Uh, that guy, he became a Christian early on. He's, he's a doctor's son from Stuttgart, Uli, Ulrich, Uli Meyer, and his wife Ursula. And he uh, left and he went to Bible school and he's been pastoring ever since. Maybe some of you might be lay pastors or pastors of churches. And you say, I never crossed my mind. Well, uh, if you have given your life to God, then you listen now to God. It's that simple. And I'm here to say one more time and take it home with you. He's trustworthy. Okay, next. Well, here I am in Libya. I'm here with medical school faculty. I'm here with an architect. This is me, and there's my wife. And we're there with Americans that are, and this is the kids. They're always saying, I wonder where mom and dad are today. And, and there's a civil war going on in Libya for six and a half years. It's been going on uh, ever since Gaddafi, who was such an arrogant leader, and he's a little before your time, but ask your parents. And he was hiding in a culvert. A culvert is a round concrete pipe underneath the road where the water drains. And he has backed himself into a culvert, and he's hiding in his country. And they shot him down like fish in a barrel in the culvert. And that was the end of the arrogant dictator, Omar Gaddafi of Libya. And you go into the airport, and it's gone. So you land at a World War II military base. You go by shopping centers that are rubble, that the concrete is dangling down multiple stories with the rebar steel holding the huge chunks of concrete. You don't walk underneath it. I don't even take pictures of it, or I'd be showing you pictures because I'm going to be very careful what I do in other countries with a camera. You go by hotels that have huge cranes by them that are 30 stories high. The cranes go that high. I should have taken the pictures of that to show you. They have not ever moved the cranes, and they stopped construction to finish these hotels six and a half years ago. And they don't even have anything going on in the country to move the cranes and get them back into use and get the return on their investment. And we got four young ladies over there. God bless the brave young ladies. And I'd sure like the men to stand up and be men. Because ladies in a Muslim culture don't teach men. And they all want to, the world wants to learn English. You could go anywhere in the world and teach English. English. 
And that's your way to also get into these countries. And then you can play soccer or go on the beach and do wheelies with their Jeep. And I think gas is about 11 cents a gallon in Libya, a gallon. And I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there with the people and they've all gathered one night. Some are doing uh, other different kinds of things to be allowed to be in that country. And I won't say more and protect these people. But uh, I'm old, so they have me on a couch. But we're in a, a three-story big house, and two brothers live on top and bottom. And, and uh, my friends that are there are in the middle floor. And that brother, he's in Saudi Arabia working. And we're trying to not be too loud as we worship and play guitar and worship God. And I really don't know the last names of anybody in that room. And they're all sitting along the floor. And I'm on, the, I'm on the edge of the couch here. And my wife and some other people are here, and some of the kids, actually. And, and uh, my buddy, Steve, he's playing the guitar and leading in worship. I don't know these people are from different parts of the United States. Some have been 15 years in there. They have uh, government passports to be there. They're, they're there under the invitation of Libya teaching English at the university, but they can't leave the city. And we're worshiping. And I look around, and they have their hands in the air. And a lot of us are timid to do that. But they're just adoring and worshiping God. I'm looking at their faces, and the look of joy and peace, and I can't describe it all on their face, is indescribable. And I'm not I'm kind of worshiping, but I'm, I'm just looking at people that are all around this pretty good-sized good living room. And I'm realizing that they are so delighted to be able to get together and have fellowship in the name of Jesus Christ. It's clearly the high point of their week. And that's the same for you when you go to church or come to Chi Alpha. You get together to be a, a, a group witness and testimony as Stanley Hauerwas, a professor of Christian ethics at Duke University, would say, just to show and, 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 and inform each other in the face of the world, we're not crazy. We're not crazy. You should see his video on that. It's three minutes and 40 seconds, and it'd be cool to maybe show it here sometime. Next slide. They're waiting for you in Libya to go, and those people, those Libyans, were absolutely delightful to be with. We had a blast. It was fun because people are all made in the image of God everywhere, and please don't stereotype or pigeonhole anybody. Here I'm standing in China. 25 miles down that direction is Russia, where I went and stood in a tall tower. And behind me is North Korea. That's a bridge that goes really nowhere. And in my four hours of being along that border, I saw a truck going up the side of that mountain over there. There's a city over there, and you can see some buildings. And I saw no sign of life. I don't know why. And I stand there in the wind, and it's cold, with the jacket I have over there. And I'm, and I'm praying for North Korea. And I have met a bunch of young people a little bit older than you from Ohio and other parts of the United States that are in North Korea teaching English. 
uh, just a little bit older than you. And there is far more activity in North Korea, and I don't have time to explain it, than you could ever imagine. Because Almighty God will build his church. And you know where it's the healthiest? Where there's the most persecution. That's the purest church. That's the fastest growing church. You know the most dangerous place in the whole world to live? United States of America. Because you think you don't need God. Because you have it so good. It's dangerous. It's difficult to follow and serve Christ in this country. English teachers, we could take thousands of English teachers like you. Mother tongue English, take a TESOL's course teaching English as a second language. It's like two weeks long. Every university offers it. Do some tutoring of people that need help with their English. And I can tell you where to apply. And there's all kinds of programs and organizations. And you can be in China. And they'll pay you for being there. And if you stay more than a year, they'll fly you home for a month to, uh, to uh, catch up on chipotle or whatever you like. But if you want really, really good Chinese food, you go to China. Believe me. Believe me. So there's all kinds of people. Just a few years. Yeah, I don't know the foods here in America. So I just picked. I, at least I didn't say A&W root beer. That's my era. You know. <laughs> I'm about out of time. One more. Let's go. Another picture. Refugees. Refugees. 950,000 alone. 980,000 came to Germany in 2015. I got a buddy of mine who lives in Heidelberg, Germany, and he's planted a church, and he's a student worker. He's from Michigan, and he also did Chi Alpha at, at LSU in Baton Rouge. And I, the government got a hold of them because they have 9,000 new refugees come through Heidelberg, Germany every three weeks. 9,000! And the government knows who to ask, the Christians. And so they got a hold of all the Christian churches in Heidelberg and said, we have all these refugee children. And so my buddy collects from companies little anklets and, and little underwears and little t-shirts, undershirts by a thousand at a time and begs and finds and gets money to just clothe these little children. And they come to the nursery and, and, and they're spread all over Heidelberg and I'm talking fast because I'm out of time. And man, oh man, they fight over the Legos. They fight over the crayons. They're refugee children with all the trauma of escape and seeing parents or friends or other people die. I mean drown and die. I'm not exaggerating. And when they leave the nursery, it's empty. It's cleaned out. And he said, we let them take home a crayon or one Lego piece. So next time you see your little brother or sister or, or see some American home, you tell me how many hundred Lego pieces are in the average American home, including my grandkids. They let them take one piece, one piece, or a crayon. Please don't forget that. That's going on now. I just wish we were more thankful. 
I just wish we were more thankful people. I just wish we were more giving people, serving people. That's so easy, but the action is so much harder. You give away your life, and you'll find it in a depth and rich richness that you could never imagine. You walk by faith out with God in areas where you're totally, it's impossible. This is impossible stuff, and that's where God kicks in. Miracles for him are normalcy. Otherwise, you will never know God, ever, like he wanted you to know him. You're trying to be God if you're trying to control God. You have to go out in obedience and discover God the way he wants you to discover him. And you'll have a life far richer, far richer than you could ever imagine. Next picture. So here's a family with my, uh, my son-in-law. He's a, he's a teacher. He's a professor at a, at a university. This is a Syrian family. The revolution in Syria uh, happened in his town. And he said to his parents, I'm fleeing. And four days after that little girl was born, and they just got reunited. Look how long he's been away from her, 18 months. Four days after that little child was born, he fled from Syria to Turkey and took the boats and collected money from family and was able to take a smuggler's boat over to Greece. They threw him in jail. He lays on the floor of a jail, uh, a floor of a jail cell for 62 or 68 days without a blanket, without a pillow, without a shower, just because he's a criminal refugee. He's not a criminal. He's a refugee. What's your idea of a refugee? He's a math teacher. She's a financial analyst. They're as smart as you or smarter. But they've lost everything. And even the worst thing for people around the world that you never even gave it a second thought about is for people to not have any papers to prove who they are. Man. There's another daughter in the picture, but she's not in the picture because she's so traumatized that she refuses to be in the picture. So I pray for these people during the day and in the night. I ask God to give me visions of the suffering that he sees, just enough that I can handle. But Lord, let me participate. I give my money by the thousand dollars, thousand at a time, and I don't have a lot of money but I got enough to share. I can't just say, oh, I'm sorry about your need. Good luck. The Bible says you see a need and you can do something about it. It's a no-brainer. It's automatic. And you need to learn to get away from your ego and to see God and see the world a little bit through God's eyes. And you'll have a fullness and a richness in life and a legacy that you'll leave behind. And I urge you to do that with your life. I'm not telling you what to do with your life. You'll know. But I urge you, break out of the mold of the 
consumerist society and the ego-driven and the sex-saturated and sex-confused society we live in, you can never find peace without God and God alone. Trust me. And I'm an old guy, like I've said the tenth time now. And I found him faithful. Next slide. I'm going to read fast and I'm done, okay? Hang with me. I'm over my time. I'm in big trouble. Resist all worldliness. Rise to the future with a clear-eyed loyalty to Jesus and his kingdom. Be prepared to engage the issues and challenges of today's society, fully prepared and without fear. And we have to win back our Jerusalem. What that means is we need to win back where we are. That's a, that's take, that's a takeoff from a verse in Acts about where missions begins where you live. Next slide. Checklist for you. Has your face shrunk? How is your Bible knowledge? Do you read cover to cover? Do you read the Bible through? Do you read it daily? Do you memorize scripture? I just saw the 89-year-old Presbyterian missionary, and he has 300 verses that he maintains by heart. 300. He's 89 years of age. He memorizes three verses a week. How many do you memorize per week? Or me? Is our understanding of our calling still robust? You're young, and it should be strong and vigorous. Do we love gathering together as the body, like here? It looks like you do. Next. Who do you worship? And whom do you trust? And how are you to serve God? Right here. Next. Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Jesus is Lord and Christ and Savior. We need to, without shame, share our testimony and talk from the Word of God and not compromise. You're not proclaiming yourself a religion. You're simply proclaiming the truth about one true living God and his work to bring salvation to us and the whole world. And salvation means that we as humans have made a giant mess and there's no way to fix it except that someone bigger and better and stronger comes to step in and fix it. And that's Jesus Christ. Next. So we have no choice but to make him known if we truly have an undivided loyalty to the Lord himself. It'll be reflected in the way we use our time. It generates an agenda in our lives of priorities, worldview, and behavior and becomes a driving mission in our life. This undivided loyalty to the Lord himself. Next. If God blesses you, Let's stand. Let's stand. I'm going to say the first part, and you're all going to say together the second part, okay? Y'all ready? I'm at the end. Yoo-hoo! Okay? Here we go. If God blesses you, if God redeems you, if God loves you, feeds you, and clothes you, If God brings you into the light of salvation, and here's the hardest one of all, and God will help you with it. And Lord, I pray even now, let the miracle of forgiveness 
the forgiving spirit sweep across these people because they've all been hurt, we've all been wounded, and we're all thinking of somebody that we're struggling or have not forgiven. And I pray in the name of Jesus that a miracle will take place and we will forgive because you give us the strength to forgive. If you enjoy God's forgiveness, 